Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company, presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast is Kelly Kulik. Kelly Bull collegiately at Moorhead State University. She has two PWBA titles, five non-PWBA majors, and three PBA titles. Kelly, it's Tim Berg and Coach Casey of Clemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, gentlemen. Happy to be part of it. All right, Kelly. So let's uh, let's get right into things and, and talk about how, how you feel your year went on the PWBA tour and um, and what you think, you know, how your 2018 season went. Well, gentlemen, overly considering the beginning of the season, um, I had a few doubts. I was a little skeptical about competing this year. Just some emotional things going through my mind last year. I kind of went through the process numb and had some success out there. I really didn't train as much as I would have liked to this year to be prepared for tour. But um, I started out, and after the first few events, came on strong at the Queen's. And then from there on, I had really good ball reaction, but just never seemed to get the ball to go through the pins the right way to knock down 10 pins when everyone else was. But the latter part of the season, after July, we had our Team USA camp and I worked really hard there with the coaches there in the gym and on the lanes as well. We kind of got my timing and tempo back a little bit quicker. And the last four events were my most successful of the season, capping off the year with two TV shows, finishing second in both majors. Yeah, that was a was definitely a great finish, and you were just right within striking distance there at the end. But, you know, I love what you just talked to. You kind of hinted on that a little bit about ball motion and pin carry and the ball going through the pins the right way. And I think that's something that so many uh, people get a little bit confused by. They think they hit the pocket, and when they don't get 10, they don't understand. So what are you looking for when you're looking for optimal pin carry or optimal ball motion with the ball going through the pins? For me, it's more about the shape of the ball. It really, you know, we talk about having the ball read the mid lane and trying to get that hooking motion before it gets into the roll phase, and it's the hardest thing to see because we don't see the first 10 to 15 feet of the lane itself where the skid is occurring. So really, it's just trying to shape up. Um, you know, our equipment style is a little bit longer, longer and later reaction and use surface. So I think for me this year, I, I might have tried a, a few more different layouts, but I really pertain more to the shapes and the ball hitting the pocket Sometimes, I mean, I could pound the pocket. We can all crush the pocket so many times and leave that ringing 10-pin or, or blower 7-pin. So, um, But really for me, Steve, it's just trying to get the ball to shape up and, and, and control the pocket. Sometimes it's not even about carry. It's really just controlling the 1-3 pocket for me. And you catch the shaker strikes, you catch the trip fours, and, and really from there. So anything I can do. And then from there, it's just going through the arsenal. of Like, okay, do I need something with a bigger engine? meaning a stronger core, or to need something to kind of retain a little bit and then have more angular motion down the lane. So that, that nice shape down the lane is what I look for. Kelly, as if your summer wasn't busy enough, you also got to help out Junior Gold doing some color commentary for those events. Talk about that experience for you and how you've seen that grow from, you know, we all have seen it grow from what it once was to what it is now and, um, and just how exciting that is and some of the, the youth that you got to see and take part in down there and calling some of those matches with the kids. Absolutely. You know, being an assistant coach for Junior Team USA, you're, you're seeing some amazing raw talent. And uh, I, I just got to witness the SYC this past weekend in Myrtle Beach. But, boy, these kids at the age of 10 and 12 years old throw it a heck of a lot better than I did at their age level. It's really mm-hmm. accreditation to our coaching program, um, the technology of the equipment, the lane conditions. And these kids at the age of 12 are bowling on, on 
challenge patterns and sport patterns where we those weren't heard of in our days because of of the wood surface and, and only one or two oils to have. So it really was an honor to witness it. I mean, every year I go back, I see the kids improve from year to year. I see the new and upcoming faces that are coming through the ranks for the 12, 15, and now we're introducing the U17 division. So for me, it's it's really just witnessing greatness at its best, you know, understanding these kids and trying to influence them in the right way of just having a great attitude and working hard and committing to what you're doing. But it, it really is amazing. And, again, at the age of 17, Anthony Nyer, the lefty who won had the front nine. I mean, he had professional statistics mm. for a, a 16-year-old boy just going in that division. It, it's really I'm in awe of just of, of really witnessing it and hoping I have some influence on it. But just to let them be kids and watch them, it's it's really great. I mean, their their attitude and their intelligence is much more advanced than you know myself and maybe Steve were at our age, just because of of YouTube and the internet. And God, where would we be without Google? <laughs> yeah, and and talk to that parent out there who has someone maybe in that um, that U15 division. You, you mentioned earlier some of the, the the big equipment with the big the the big engines in them. At, at what age do we, you want to start getting those into the kids' hands? Because you still want them to develop the fine the you know the mechanics of the game, but they also need that that hitting power as well, which you see once you get into those bigger cores and bigger engines in the equipment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were taught in our generation we had to do it with our hand and our feet and our ball speed and our tempo. And, and the kids these days can just go into their arsenal and take one of the five balls that they're elected to bring to the junior goal program. So uh, I, with our core designs at, at 13 pounds, you know, we have that hitting power and hitting mass within the core itself. But really, if I think the earlier the kids can see the reaction at an early age and how responsive the equipment is to friction um, overall it's just going to get them there faster in terms of their experience and knowing when to make those changes so for them yes they, they, they're looking at the result they want to see all 10 pins fall down just like I do but really if they can understand hey why does this ball with with more edit weight to it you know hook sooner than the one that doesn't when do I start to use this and by educating them at a young age they'll recognize it themselves and Really, they'll just say, hey, I need to go to the pink ball or I need to go to the, the multicolor ball, and then they start to understand it. So once they get in that 13-pound level, at the age from 6 to 8, the gate, they should just be throwing as hard as they can. But once they get to that 10, 12 age where they can manage the ball with a little bit of shoulder leverage and an arm swing or two-handed where they're just running past it and letting it go, they'll, they'll start to see shapes different. They'll understand, hey, I have to stand so far over here to get it down the lane. Maybe I should try this ball. And just by... By eliminating bowling balls over time, they really get to grow and, and understand what's going on. Hey, there's there's so much we can talk about, Kelly. You got su- such a vast amount of experience in the sport, you know, from the being on the board at USBC to Team USA and all this. Um, but it is the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast. So, and you're a, a collegiate national champion. Why don't you just talk a little bit about your time at, at Moorhead and uh, and what that meant to you to be be a national champion there in college? Yeah, you know, it was fantastic. Um, I think in my older age, you learn how to bowl as an individual, but as a college student, you really get to work with four other teammates on the lane with you at the time, as well as the ones supporting you in the back along with the parents and the coaches. Uh, team bowling, there, there's nothing that can replace it. There's nothing that can beat it. If, it's so good to know that if you're not having a great day, your teammates can, can hold you up and support you. And if you're having a great day, you're holding up somebody else that, that may be struggling. It, the atmosphere is unlike anywhere you'll ever see. I, I mean, it's probably comparable to a football game, but the only difference is the parents are only six feet away, whereas in the stadium, you know, mm-hmm. your 50-yard line is as close as you can get. 
Um, the intensity is high, and again, they're bowling on more con- conditional patterns where they're they're tougher. Um, it's almost grooming them to be professional bowlers. But really, there are so many great programs out there right now, especially with NCAA for the girls and young ladies able to develop scholarships and have their education. And I mean, this is you know you're talking about Division One, Division Two type of competition, almost like you know Stanford and. UCLA and, and Ohio versus Nebraska. I mean, that's the level of competition these kids are at at the college level. Kelly, what advice would you have for that junior or sophomore who is still looking for a college to attend and possibly bowl at? Well, with me, gentlemen, honestly, the first and foremost is education. because uh, And then this was uh, presented from a young gentleman on a college tour looking at a university, and he said, you know, if you were to walk outside and break your ankle, would you still come to the school for the education? And the kid really started to contemplate, you know, that's a really good question. I chose Moorhead for two reasons. One, the bowling program, but mainly because they had teaching and education as a degree that I was very much interested in. So first and foremost should be education because if something should happen down the road, you always have that knowledge and knowledge is power. From there, then you're looking at programs to where you're going to fit in. Are you looking for the best program? Are you looking for the best program suitable to you? Um, Some people relate better with coaches. Other programs only have one coach. And as I'm saying that, I'm at my local YMCA getting ready for my exercise class here at 6.30. But really, they should be looking for that match, that connection, because you're going to have barriers. There's going to be communication challenges, working with other athletes on the team that might be better than you or or might have to work to get better than you. Um, It's a growing program and process, really. Finding the coach that has an open mind, somebody that's willing to work with you not only on the lanes, but to persuade you in your education and encourage you along the way with your schooling, getting to know your um, guidance counselor, that was a big key for me. And then from there, if professional ranks is something you want to go to, there's many universities now and colleges that have great programs that can excel and with the coaching available, you can go anywhere. You can come to Storm and work with Steve Klumpkin. You can come and work with Hank Boomershine or myself and have great collegiate coaching individually to go out and be professional if that's something you desire. It, and you just touched on as well my my very last question that I had for you, which relates to fitness, and you're in excellent shape. Um, is that because you want to – is that for bowling? A lot of people don't think of the you know physical fitness being required for bowling, but is that how you approach it? Is that what you're doing? It's mainly, yes, it is for bowling, but overall, my philosophy is if you feel good about yourself, chances are it's going to roll into other things that you're doing in life itself. So for me, knowing that I'm physically fit and I have a high endurance level and I'm physically strong, I mean, I can lift heavy weights and everything, just means that I feel confident in my ability to be on the lanes to endure those 16 games of qualifying on a Friday night. The rest in between is not very long, but... Knowing if I'm at my fittest, I'm going to give myself the best opportunity possible, and I do. I like, uh, I'm not a computer person. I'm not a phone person. I always said if you need somebody to dig a trench, you know, I'm your person because I like physical work. I just, I like feeling that my body's doing something. I like making my mind work of what's the next move. One of my favorite things I I like to do, and I don't do it very often because you kind of need a partner to do it, is, is rock climbing because you can't think about anything else except what your next move is, where your hand's going and where your next foot's going. So I like that mindset of it. But overall, we're on the ladies' tour ourselves, we're bowling sprints every weekend where in, in past tours when I was on the tour back in 2001, it was more of an endurance race in terms of bowling three or four days over time. So by far, being physically fit just means I'm mentally fit and I can give myself the best opportunity to win every time I lace up my shoes. 
So, Kelly, you and Danielle McEwen will be heading to Brazil to do some bowling. And in the release that uh, was put out by the USBC, it talked about how Danielle said how she looked up to you as a bowler and, and you guys, uh, you were one of the persons that she watched quite a bit. Talk about that experience and what it means when you hear something like that and then you're competing with all the great ladies and competing on Team USA. Um, honestly, it's, it's reminiscing to know that I had that effect on her. I'm in awe of her. She is by far one of the best shot makers I've ever witnessed in the history of women's bowling. I mean, I put her up there with Liz when it comes to make a shot. She's, she's good, and her cat skills and her skills at world championships this past year were just unbelievable when, when I think she, when she won gold in all events. Um, we have a very good rapport together, and I think in her quote, too, she said, we have different styles and we tackle lane differently, but we work really well with each other. We encourage each other. We room together, and um, I feel like I let her down this year because we had a chance in doubles to get to the final medal round, and we just missed out by by an aired shot. But uh, on my partake, but um, yeah, I, I really i I see her, and I want to I want to again just influence her in the right way of hey, you know what you're capable of and what you're doing, and I enjoy bowling with Danielle. She's I, my only thing I would like to pass on to her is just in, in her ripe old age of about 26 or 27 years old is not to make it so stressful, just to try to have a little fun and kind of leave work on the lanes. And when you're outside the building, try to enjoy things. And she, she does a great job of taking pictures and being active on social media and taking advantage of when we're in a new country to, to go take in the site. So because of her this week, I know I'm going to see all of Brazil and not just the airport and the bowling center. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, that's uh, great advice, and thanks so much again, Kelly, for uh, taking the time for us. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing about your great results down there with Danielle and Team USA, and we will catch up with you again down the road. Gentlemen, thank you so very much. I, I love these little podcasts, and, you know, I, I really I, I think about the, the past people that have had influences on me, the, the women's tour, Leanne Holsenberg and, and Carolyn Doran Ballard and some of the great men, Steve Hoskins and, and Walter Ray and Parker Bone, and I just hope that my words of wisdom can pass along to them and, and – 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, I'll be listening to their podcast.